Welcome to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. Here's your host, Hans Christian Wittinghus. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, the pod is finally returning with a guest episode, and we're doing so with a bang. Matthias Bo is the guest, and I love my chat with him. I've known him for many years, and his personality really shines through in this talk. So I trust you'll feel like you have a much better understanding of the person and athlete Matthias is when you're done listening. Stay tuned at the end of the chat as well, as I'm trying out something new where I'll give you my quick thoughts on my biggest takeaways from the interview. And final thing, before turning the attention to what Matthias had to say, I want to thank my latest patron, Matthew Chan, for your support. 43 patrons now, just 7 shy of the Magic 50. And you know where to go to help me reach that number? Patreon.com slash Vitingos, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com now let's pass it on for what you're really here for interview with Matthias Paul my guest today has a highly impressive resume former world number one in men's doubles winner of 49 yes 49 international titles Olympic and world silver medalist two-time European champion and Thomas Cobb winner and although his playing days are past him, he has recently taken up his first coaching stint as coach for the Indian doubles. So the timing to get him on the show could not be much better. I'm actually so happy to welcome him that I'm not even going to hold it against him that he's a Juventus fan. So Matthias Paul, a very warm welcome to my show. Thank you so much. And thank you for that uh, Yeah, very kind introduction. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know what to say right now. So uh, I'll, I'll let you ask me something. Yeah, all right. Because what the listeners probably don't know is that you and I, we have this uh, lunch bet going on each season about uh, who's going to finish the highest in the Italian Football League, right? With uh, you supporting Juventus and me supporting uh, Inter. So I actually want to start off just by asking you, how confident do you feel winning that bet this year? I spoke to my accountant the other day and that lunch uh, that lunch is is actually noted as a fixed income in my uh, <laughs> in my in my yearly tax report so I'm pretty confident like Inda is getting better and better but still like not really uh, a threat uh, to uh, Juve so I feel uh, really confident to be honest <laughs> All right. Yeah. Given the history, it's been, it's been a pretty bad, uh, bad business for me, but I'm also confident this year is going to be the turnaround year. So, uh, I'm, I'm also going to just, uh, note it down with my accountant that I'm going to get a launch this year. And I think okay, it's a two point lead, right? Yeah. Well, this is actually the feel like the same the last three or four seasons that, uh, until, uh, until just after Christmas, they're doing well. I've, but uh, then at the end, they are just like getting too tired when the when there's too many matches and, and something at stake. So it, it runs totally according to plan as I see it. <laughs> All right. It's, it's Pielo's master plan. Before, but he hasn't done that well. He hasn't done that well, to be honest. I, w- I was actually expecting because I really loved him as a player. I think he is he's as cool as it comes but i he's not like really surprised me with how he's playing i i can't i can't understand why he can't like i know he's done it recently playing with with both um uh with both ronaldo um and dibala but i mean it's it is two of the best players in the world as i see it and like that combo should be able to do better than it's actually doing um which it also did in the end of, of last season so i don't know really what's what's up and down if if it's not the system he likes to play or what, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually a little disappointed about his performance so far. But um, yeah, as long as they win, still in it in the Champions League and still looking solid in the league. So if he if he at least win the league, then uh, yeah, nothing has changed. Yeah, well, I'm happy with his performance so far. The only third in the <laughs> league, so that that's perfect for me. Perfect for me. All right, Matthias, we're not uh, going to talk more uh, football. I will, uh, I will move straight on to, uh, to talk what I invited you on this podcast for, a talk about your amazing career and your, uh, your life in badminton. So I hope you are, you're up for that. Sure. Right, I think 
I'm actually going to start this a little bit backwards. So instead of talking about the, the start of your career, I want to start off by talking about the way your career finished or the final uh, few years of, uh, of your career. Because you chose to retire at, after the All Englands last year in 2020, uh, which I think some people might have uh, seen a little bit odd with the Olympics in Tokyo at that time only being, being six months away. Um, so could you just take us uh, through what what made you come to that the conclusion at the time that now was the, the right time to start for you? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I I feel like um, I feel like my badminton career have had uh, like a cat nine lives, uh, maybe exaggeration a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but after Nola's accident in 2016, I was kind of like, oh, this might be over for me as well. Uh, might be too much for me to start all over with a new partner and everything and and thank god he 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 uh he came back and uh and and everything was was fine and we we played well and returned to to world number one and that journey was like amazing and maybe the, the biggest achievement we've done in our career we came back and i think some point in 2017 we we actually we were number one in the world but i also actually uh if I can, if I can say it, I actually feel at some point we were the best men's double, uh, even better than Kevin and Marcus, and we also managed to beat them quite a few times. So, take that journey. It was it was like an amazing uh, experience for me, but it was also a hard experience. After that, we we struggled a little bit, and and the results was not what we hoped for. And uh, I, Mess and I then started playing together. Um, it it was really good in the beginning and a good experience. It was. Um, it was kind of like uh, a fresh start for me to to see if if I could like just pull the last uh, energy out of my own body, um, and um, the closer I got to to the the twenty twenty, um, I felt like I was too tired. Um, I felt when I was at the sessions. Um, I was just lacking a little bit, five percent focus. Maybe uh, I was too tired all the time. I was not like I was not super happy. Uh, so at that point, I I was kind of like thinking about stuff where we were and all. And and the thing that I've always promised myself is that um, it takes such so much to to be at the very top. Uh, people are hungry to beat you. Your countrymen are hungry to to take your position at the best in the in the country and all these things. So it takes like mentally, it's, it's a battle every day. Uh, somebody wanna, wanna come and, and, and steal everything you have, you, you sort of feel that way. But um, so, so I've always promised myself if, if I was lacking, if I, when I looked at myself in the mirror and say like, you're not, you're not hundred percent anymore. You're not like putting as much effort into it as, as you should or have done, which I obviously uh, know quite well because I have done that for so many years. But at the end, I was just lacking a little bit. And once that happens, you lose a little bit of confidence. And then it's time either to, to try and give it a last effort and really like push yourself to the maximum, which we also did in 2016. That's why I mentioned it, because that's where we came from. We were down, we were losing in, in early stages. Cast need to recover fully, but we did it and we pushed ourselves through. And I could just feel at that time that I didn't have the energy to do that once again. And also physically, I could, my, after my sessions, uh, my age <laughs> caught up to me also. Uh, but it was primarily mentally that, that I was just like, there was, there was nothing left, uh, to be honest. And I guess when, when the Olympic Games in Tokyo, which you were still in, you still had a possibility of qualifying. I know you weren't the highest ranked pair at the moment in Denmark, but you still had the chance. But if that, not even that can make you... A, go for that final push, give you the, your motivation to do it. I think that's a pretty good sign that you are correct in your decision that you, you had nothing left mentally to give, right? I mean, for, for players, the Olympics is, of course, the craziest thing and yeah. and what everybody is aiming for, and then especially Olympic medal. Um, that said, uh, and, and we'll talk about later this, I guess, but it, yeah. 2012 was obviously one of the big, biggest achievements. I have had the best experience on court uh you had the queen watching our final you had the prime minister watching our semi-final uh the crown prince was watching like everything is going ballistic when mm-hmm. when you for in your country when when you reach uh, a medal or even a final here so of course that was a great uh, experience but 
real four years after we got a disappointing result uh we were not Carsten was maybe not back 100% at that time we, we needed a few more months uh and and we didn't even like qualify uh for the for the quarterfinals which was a, a dreadful experience to be honest mm. so when you try to be on that high and then the olympics after you're on that low it's uh, you've been there and you tried it but you also when you go <laughs> as we did in Rio and didn't do well. It's just a badminton tournament that didn't go well at the end of it. So you tried the circus. So it was at that time not the highest priority. It would have been the highest priority for me if we could actually challenge for a medal. But how Mass and I played, we could beat the best pairs. We have beat some of the best pairs while playing, but we haven't been that consistent and we haven't been able to do it two, three days in a row. Um, we, we did it, I feel, maybe two days in a row, but we didn't, didn't go all the way through in one of the big events and, and beating three top, top, ter, uh, top 10 pairs in the world. So, um, so to, to aim for a medal there was like, uh, it was not realistic as I see it uh, where we were. Um, so, um, yeah, that, and that was makes sense. So you, was... you, you weren't, you weren't going to go just for the experience. You were only going to go if you challenged for the medals and, and that was. Yeah, really exactly. Realistic. Exactly. Yeah. That, that is, that is what the, we say the backside of the medal of, of being mm -hmm. able to, to win the tournaments for that many years. Like if you mm -hmm. start losing yeah. in first and second round, you just feel like, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I wasting my time and everyone else's mm -hmm. time on this now when you can't even, um, when you can't even win anymore. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's fun like that. I, I had that talk with the Pihang Yan on my podcast earlier as well, uh, where I, I spoke about one of her most impressive feats was the fact that she made quarterfinals. I think it was in seven world championships or something like that, or six. And for me, that was quite impressive, but for her, because she made a lot of finals, she didn't think it was impressive. So for you, because you, you won so many medals, you won so many tournaments, for you, it wouldn't be a, a good result to make the quarterfinal at the Olympics where with the career I've had, I'm sitting here and thinking I would, I would almost kill to make that quarterfinal. But <laughs> it says something about the, the level that you reached uh, over so many years and how that also affects you uh, mentally. But it also speaks volumes to your mindset, what kind of, uh, yeah, that, that you're a winner. You, you don't play to just take part, but you, you play to, to actually win the game always. And that, that's a mindset you had even when you went on court at the yeah the the final few years of your career yeah exactly exactly it it is of course you you get greedy uh mm. like i feel generally human beings are greedy and it's like not looked upon as a negative thing for me because but mm. more wants more and it's the same in in badminton like i think all the best players they just wanted more they just want to win the next one like if you look at victor now how he did like he's just like it's not enough to win all England. I want to win the next one. I want to win the next one. I want to win the next one. It's that's, that's that greed because if you don't have that greed and that eager to win when you step into the court, you most likely won't succeed in, in doing that. Um, so that's the backside because it makes it harder to lose early. <laughs> if yeah, if yeah, you understand what yeah, I'm saying. It makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, I think that's a really good point, actually, uh, you make there. Uh, I want to go briefly back to you. You mentioned the the switch from uh, from Carsten to uh, to Mess, and I'm sure most of my listeners uh, they primarily remember all your results with uh, with Carsten, who is the the one you you produced all your your magic uh, moments with. Would, would some part of you wish that he was also the guy that you finished your career with, or are you still happy that you you actually tried that final push with uh, Mess to see if that was something uh, that was feasible for uh, for another few good years? Um, to be honest, I, I can start by saying I don't regret my decision. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, I was, uh, I was, I lost confidence in the, in, in, in Carsten's and, and mine double. I, I didn't believe that we could get back on where we were. Um, so for me, when I reached that point, I was kind of like something new has to happen or I, um, or I, I will retire. Um, so at that point I felt that that was the lifeline that I was given. Um, I could extend my career for another few years. I could play tournaments. I could set a new goal trying with a, with a new, uh, with a new partner, world-class partner also. So when it comes to the decision of, of, I don't regret my choice. It was a really thought through thing. 
Um, and, and I also believe that Mess and I, we, we had a better shot of qualifying for, uh, for Tokyo at that time than Carsten and I uh, had. We, we had a really good trip to US and Canada where we won Canada. It was only 100, but it was really strong 100 because it was the Olympic um, qualifying year. We went to uh, LA and then we went to Russia to win that also. So our winning streak in the beginning was really good and it, it, it looked like it could turn into something. Um, so in that way, I didn't, yeah, I said I didn't regret it at all. But I mean, of course, it was now looking back on it, maybe been more glorious than if I could have done it with Carsten instead of with Mess and winning these tournaments uh, that we could have stayed united. But as I said before, um, you need to be selfish as an athlete. And then a lot of people say, oh, how could he do it? And on. I, I, don't, I don't blame them because they're not, in the, they're not in the absolute top of the world in any sport. If you are that, you, you need to be 100% focused on yourself. And is being selfish uh, a bad thing? Uh, honestly, I feel maybe the world would be a better place if more people were more selfish because once you have your own life 100% under control, only there you'll be able to help other people. But when it comes to the world of sport, you need to only focus 100% on yourself. Um, so it sounds selfish. It is selfish, but that's where you need to be. Um, so at that time, I thought, thought it was the right decision for me to, to try something new, uh, even though it, it left Carsten in, in, in some sort of uh, black hole or what you say. But uh, I mean... I would do whatever it takes for my career to uh, to push it and and win more tournaments, uh, and that's that's the decision I made. Um, so I understand your question. It's it's really difficult for me to give a more clear answer than this. Um, it's what Carsten I thought it was, and I have it achieved. Was a pretty good, pretty good answer. Just, I think it was pretty <laughs> okay, clear. And I, I think it's it's actually it. it uh, it deals well with what you said before uh, and what I said about you having this uh, winning mentality uh, uh, that you did it because you lost belief that you could actually win with Carson and you wanted to give it one less push to try and win. So, of course, in, in that moment, you felt it like it was the right thing. But I think it's very interesting to hear you say that that you need to be selfish and think about yourself first, which is on the contrary to like you've been playing doubles for your entire career. So you've always had a partner that you needed to work together with, but you still put yourself first, which to me, it makes good sense. But yeah, of course it does. It does sound a little bit selfish and it's not because I need to compare to all my previous podcasts, but Grisha Polly, when I had her on, she said the same when she changed partners, you needed to start working with yourself first and then you can start working with your partner and work together, but you need to always focus on yourself. So I think a lot of the listeners usually would say that a singles player is more uh, selfish than a doubles player. But I think you, what you just said is pretty good proof that doubles players, they, they need the same mentality as a, a singles player, basically. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But of course, it's it, playing doubles and being selfish, I still feel it's maybe two different things because, um, of course, you need to be selfish. But a part of playing doubles is just like uh, another aspect added to it. A single player then needs to... Uh, to add another aspect, but as a double, you need to work together. So you can't be 100% selfish on court and do this and do all the training yourself, but mentally you can be uh, selfish uh, if you get my point. So it's an aspect of working together like like it is an aspect to work together with a coach because a coach can also be changed. Then you have this national coach, then you all of a sudden something happened, you get a new. So that aspect of working together with another person, it's still the same. It's just like in doubles, you have somebody you're dependent on um, more than you are in the singles, but it's just another aspect of uh, that that is in, in the game of doubles. Yeah, all right. And just final thing I want to uh, to ask about the all all this retirement stuff before we start talking about the more fun stuff with all the the great wins you've had, is that <laughs> you retired at the uh, the All England, which was obviously it was a strange All England with the everything with COVID nineteen going on. Uh, do do you feel like you you got or your retirement at least got the attention that you deserved or your career deserved because because it, it kind of for me it kind of drowned in in everything else and you you have been one of the best not only 
Danish men's doubles players, but European men's doubles players of, of all time. So do, do you sometimes feel that, that it was overlooked a little bit and you, you deserved a bit more recognition uh, when you did retire? Uh, no, not at all. I actually, uh, <laughs> I was, I was uh, sneaking out of, of, of the back door as you do as a party. Um, I've, I've thought about this a lot, um, how my great goodbye would be. Um, mm. And like, I'm pretty emotional player and also a person. So it, I don't think it fits my profile too good to be able to be on court and, and get that final at people knowing that this is the final match. So I thought a lot about it and I don't regret how it is because for instance, if you can compare it with, with uh, Jan Jørgensen when, when he, uh, he played his last international match at, at Denmark Open, I mean, that was the way he wanted to do it, I hope. And it was great. And you, as you said, he got the recognition. He was, but he was like, he could barely hold his racket at the end. And for me, I, I don't feel that I wanted to do that because it would, it would like, as I said, I wanted to do and prepare as good as I could for the tournament. And uh, the chance of winning that tournament is, is like, for my personality at least, it's very, very slim. It's, it's none. So if I go there, I'm just going for the great goodbye. Uh, I'm not going there to, to try and achieve a result. So, so that was what I, what I thought. And, and that was actually, and with all this pandemic talk you're saying, um, I, I decided this before England um, that, that, it's, that it, was, it was the last shot. I wanted to do it in, 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 at All England because it's, it's obviously a tournament that means a lot to me. So that thing about like knowing for me that now it's over, it's, it was enough. Um, I don't need the recognition for what I've done. I, I didn't, uh, didn't play badminton uh, for the fame. Um, it's, it's a part of it, but, uh, but I prefer, I tried as we've talked about after the Olympics, the entire country know who you are. Like you go out with morning here, people are turning around on the street. Oh, it's him. And everybody is, mm. is coming over. Congratulations and all these things. And it's a great experience to try because you left a, a positive impression um, of what you did. You made people ha happy. You entertained them. But at the same time, it's also pretty stressful that you can't be yourself. You always have eyes pointed at you. And in that way, I didn't, I didn't, it, it didn't, it doesn't suit my personality. I'm more like we have a saying in, in Denmark, whoever lives quiet lives well. And it's actually something that fits my profile. I don't need to run around, flash things and all. I just want to be a little bit boring. I know what I like to do and how I like to do things. And so, so this great goodbye, I actually, I, it was actually how I wanted to be just quiet, sneaking out the back door and then, uh, do a little bit of press release after, but uh, yeah, I didn't play for other people. I played for myself. So uh, in my heart, I have done maybe the best I could have. I could have done better, but I'm at least satisfied. And that is, that, that is what is important to me. Perfect, Matthias. We will uh, move on from uh, a perfect ending to what I would describe as a, a nearly perfect career. I'm, I'm sure you would, uh, you would have liked to win a little bit more, but uh, for me, your career has been uh, pretty uh, unreal. Um, so I want to dig into uh, some of uh, the results that, uh, that you've had over the years. Obviously, we cannot touch down on, uh, on everything. I, uh, as I said in the introduction, you actually won 49 international, international titles. Did you know the number was that high? Uh, no, to be honest, no. I think there was a press release when I retired of the number of tournaments. Um, mm. I don't think, I don't know because the tournament software and these statistics, I think they only got saved after... <laughs> after uh, in the beginning of 2000 and something. So I'm not sure in all these statistics that the, the, the titles I had uh, before that was there. So uh, no, yeah, I, I was, I was counting, was number. I was, yeah, I was counting everything from series and up, up until uh, yeah, super series and, and world tour tournaments. Uh, and that, that's what I could find at least. So maybe you have more than 49, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> you have at no, minimum 49. So that is, that is pretty crazy. 
I know uh, you're pretty good at these things, so I think it's uh, you, you, you. It's it must be accurate. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take the forty-nine. <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough. But which is also no, like you won a lot of gold, so it might seem unfair to start off by talking about a silver. But you mentioned it already yourself that Olympic silver in uh, in two thousand and twelve was a massive result uh, for you and for Danish badminton. Uh, I was in London as a commentator for Danish TV, and uh, what I remember best from uh, from that event, apart from the uh, Lindan Lee Chang Wei epic final, is the Bo Mogensen epic semifinal against uh, Lee Young Dae and Jung Jae Sung. I think that's one of the most intense matches that I've ever witnessed, and that's at least one of the most intense ones I've had to uh, do commentary on. What what was it like to be on court for that match? Did, did you feel that added intensity as well? Uh, you, you used to play those two guys uh, so many times. Did, did you feel that this semifinal was was something uh, special? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, playing in in close to your home, if we can call London that, close to Copenhagen, with like obviously the majority of of the English supporting. Uh, their their neighbor countries at least I feel that but then in the intensity and as as I mentioned before the experience for people it's it's also like a really big experience for people just to witness a live Olympic event because it's almost impossible to get any tickets so everybody in that arena was on their toes like there was uh, some from the royal family our prime minister was there and all these things so it just adds extra tension you you actually realize it when you look the day before you obviously in a, in another country but you open the newspapers and you see yourself uh, on the cover page and then like t- uh, different articles about this and this oh and then the morning before the match oh today this is the highlight of the day you read all these things so i mean the pressure playing the olympics and especially the quarterfinal the semifinal um not so much the final because you had your medal um but uh, but especially those two matches and and also like I just remembered when I was walking there I felt like I just wanted to run out of the arena. That was actually how I felt. I was just like I can't do this. I can't do this. This is like I've tried to be nervous a lot of time, but the pressure that was on there was like it was unreal. Um, mm. But we prepared for well for it. We knew it it would it would come and uh, and we somehow managed uh, with a lot of smiles and and support to each other to like be a little bit less nervous than especially in the semifinal than 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 Leung Day and and Young Jae Sung who uh, especially Young Jae Sung he was he was a little bit stiff there. So we felt that even though we were nervous, we could look at them and see whoa they're also nervous and especially Young he was a little bit more so. Let's try and target him and uh, and see get the most of it. And it was actually funny because the tournament last tournament was in Indonesia Open. Uh, we played uh, the final against them, and it's actually one of the, the the few matches that I've played where I didn't have any more energy uh, at the end. I think we lost uh, we we lost first game close. We're trailing so bad in the second, and then we just turned things around and won that game, and it was a crazy final and then I had to change shorts because I was sweating through my shorts so I stripped down there in his daughters in Ireland and there was a lot of people laughing at me but it had to be done changed my shorts and then I went out and then there was no more uh, petrol on the tank so we lost relatively easy and then after that I think I said to a journalist yeah it's not good we they are better than we are but uh, yeah if if we can just beat them at the Olympics in a few months then everything will will be okay and then we had another epic battle with them, which we have had so many times. And uh, yeah, as you said, it got so tense and tense, and it was everybody's game uh, in the end. And uh, yeah, luckily for us, we we managed to to win it. So of course, that victory there was uh, yeah, it was the highlight of of my career, uh, no doubt about it. Do, do you remember that semifinal more clearly than you actually remember the final uh, because of all the yeah this intensity and uh, the, the final was was not really close uh, in, in the end so yeah do, do you remember the semi-final more clearly yeah definitely yeah but i also like i think you can agree with me that uh, you are youtubing more of the matches you you are winning <laughs> than the matches you lose and especially sure, the ones that sure. hurts so even though that the they even though the the, the final uh, Fu and Kai they were much better than we were they were more hungry they were more prepared we were a little bit tired men- primarily mentally because we've just like 
achieved that and less than 24 hours we had to play the the final and I don't think we were able to really recover 100% and be 100% or at least not as ready as they were in the in the final and they were just by far the best pair at the Olympics so it was like as far as we could go I would of course hope that we had more but we were mentally or at least I was a little bit tired after the day before and all the impression and and all these things. So yeah, I definitely remember the the semifinal better. But I would say I've also watched the last, the ending of of uh, of that match, uh, maybe fifty times or so. <laughs> how how certain were you at the end that the is it a lift from Liam Day or Jung Jisung that that goes out on the sideline and it's pretty close, right? How certain were no, you? No, it's that, it's that it's actually... uh, no, it's 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 Carsten who is doing a dreadful lift where that is way too short, and then ah, uh, Liam Day yeah, he, he leaves it and then it lands directly on the line, and he was just that's like, right. no, I. Just, just didn't leave that one and cast I was like what the fuck is that lift but then it then turned out to be the perfect lift even though it's maybe two meters short or so <laughs> <laughs> and what's the score is it 21 18 in the third uh no it was uh it was 21 20 was it 20 22 20 I think yeah 22 okay, like 20 yeah yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, all right. It was pretty crazy. Do do you think, like you, you said, that the that the Chinese in the final were more hungry than you? Do you think that's also due to the fact that they they had a final in two thousand and eight as well, right? That they lost. Do you think that that was an advantage for them? I mean, at that time, they have they had won everything as except the Olympics. They were coming there as favorites they have been like they have lost to the Koreans, but I may I don't know if if we beat them that season. Uh, prior to the Olympics, I can't remember, but they came as favorites. It was like they had this, they had, they just had a bit extra. They was not, they were not as nervous as as we were. And like, Kayun was just dominating the front court. And then when you just have like uh, Fuai Feng, who's just uh, throwing uh, refrigerators behind, then it's just like makes it uh, a, a really, really deadly combo. And yeah, maybe they were a little bit relaxed, but at the same time, they were also. Uh, maybe a little bit more nervous because they've already been there and it, it was not enough for them to to uh, to just get a silver medal again. At the end of the day, I just think that their semi-final and our semi-final was, was also a part of it. They got a little bit easier through and were able to uh, to recover and focus and all. And we just went through it all in that, that match against the Koreans. So, and mentally, we, we didn't heal 100% until the next day. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, but they were just better and they deserved the title. It's not, that's just how it was. Yeah, all right. Another one of, uh, for me, at least one of your most impressive uh, results is not just one result, but it, it's the fact that you and Carsten, you, uh, you managed to win the Super Series finals three years in a row, right? You actually made the final four years in a row, but lost the first one and then won three, the next uh, three years. What made that event uh, like a like a happy hunting ground for you guys? Because it, it's like it, it's a it's a huge event, of course, but but it's so different from the Olympics. It doesn't have this rich history in uh, in the same way. And we're also going to talk about all England uh, in a little bit, and that also has has this uh, rich history. But was there something that that really made you guys perform so well at the uh, at the Super Series final every time, or do you see that as a uh, more of a coincidence? Um. I think it's more of a coincidence. I think at that time it was uh, the first time was in 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 Taiwan, I think, in in Taipei, and then the two next ones, as far as I remember, was in China. And we were actually on a roll in China these years. I think it it was not until the the third Super Series final where we lost a group match. I think that was the first match we lo- actually lost in China in 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 two or three years. Um, we won China two years in a row. Also, it. 12 and 13 i think and then had the super series events the year before so it was something like that we felt really comfortable in china uh with with uh, i think with the stadium with the shuttles everything being a little bit slow and uh, and we were able to 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 find some of our best best matches and best tournaments out there so i think it's a, a little bit of a coincidence and then also related to that that we have done pretty pretty well in in big stadiums that is uh, not that windy and uh, and uh, yeah a bit slow 
Yeah, but so speaking of a uh, of a slow arena, uh, I don't want to talk more about the Super Series finals because uh, we have so many results that we can talk about. But I want to move on to another big arena, and that is, of course, the uh, the one in Birmingham for for the All Englands, because that is, as you already mentioned, uh, also a special place for you. It's where you you chose to retire, but it's also a place where you've had some of your biggest wins, two All England titles. But you also had that one final loss against the Danes and. I, I want to. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk so much about that final loss. I just want to because I just I just want to understand like how, how much was that just fuel for you to to actually go and win it? You for the listeners if they don't know, you lost twenty six twenty four in the third and final game against uh, Poske and Rasmussen, and then you moved on to win it in uh, two thousand and eleven with twenty one eighteen in the decider against the uh, Kuken Kiat and Tan Boon Hyong. But like, how how did you? put that past you, that, that final loss, and, and use it as motivation to actually get back there and uh, and get that win that you, you so badly wanted? Well, I'd actually be honest and say I didn't, because mm-hmm. that, that, that final in 2012, it was like, if I can point at one of the most dreadful experiences in my life, I know it's spoiled to say that then that is to to lose an All England final, because I know that there's a lot of people who would kill to be in, mm-hmm. a, uh, in, in an All England final. But uh, at that year, it was like crazy. And I, I don't think that people understand that to play against countrymen is actually the most difficult matches, at least for me. I was always extra nervous, especially uh, from 10 and, and uh, uh, yeah, since 10, because we were the best pair in Denmark at that time. So you had these, as I talked about earlier, you had these hungry dogs like wanted to have a piece of you. And they could go on court with like less pressure because all the pressure would be on you. So to face your countrymen in any big event, and I think if you ask uh, Victor and uh, and Anas also, it's 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 natural that you feel uh, more nervous when you play countrymen. I I can't say exactly why because it's not like you don't want your countrymen to win, but it's it's like it's it it's, it just hurts extra if you lose to your countrymen. And and that match was was like an epic epic battle and i like i still find it sometimes on youtube yet i will not watch it as i said before <laughs> i cannot go through that pain again because honestly after i lost uh i i felt not <laughs> mentally ill but also physically ill i had no muscles working in my body i was just like a zombie or a jellyfish walking around in the street and it's just like it's over my life is over i'll never get past this there's nobody can can recover from this defeat it it was just too painful so um after the morning cast and i we went out had a beer looked at each other and we was just like what the fuck happened here and in the morning after um the, some of the, the tournaments are not always super professionally organized so you can easily end up uh, in a in a bus uh, taking other than just athletes to the airport and we ended up in a bus full of danish danish supporters oh, and then no. this i came in the, in the bus with my uh, with my cap on and my earphones and then i sat down and then this this lady and she didn't do it uh, in any harm like she did because mm. she was like trying to cheer me up then she mm. uh, she said ah, it was a great final yesterday and I just said oh thank you so much um, we felt we was just sitting there and if we'd go into the decider if it would be 20 all then all four of you uh, would be winners <laughs> did you feel the same way Oh, and it was no. just like at that at that time I didn't have any more left in me. I thought I could just like die on the spot. I was just like, no, I I didn't feel like that. It was just like the biggest knife just <laughs> right in my heart. And and she didn't mean to, but it, it illustrates what I'm talking about. For not athletes, when you watch Badminton, it's entertainment. People pay yeah. to be entertained. And that's how the feeling they got that excites them to see something like that, especially a Dane seeing two two Danish pairs on court. So for them, it's a, so I don't blame her, but they don't understand what a nightmare that it's been a great experience for her, and then quite possibly the worst experience for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, so in that way, it was ah, it was not that funny. <laughs> no, 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 no. I understand, but then on the contrary, it must also have felt maybe not as nice. I don't know, but it must have given 
an extra good taste to that win the next year, the very next year you actually won it in, in the final against the, the Malaysians in another epic battle, maybe a few percent less epic, but it was still uh, pre- pretty uh, amazing. And I, I'm sure that that was probably also some sort of relief for you and Carson that you could kind of uh, wash away the stain from, uh, from 2010. Definitely. I mean, we, we came there. I still remember entering the arena the year after. And it was just like, I just like had a rush through my brain of, oh, no, not again. I'm not in this arena again. Like there was so much pain looking at those courts. I think in the first round, I think we played Yi Shen and Hong Wei, uh, two young Chinese, extremely good. I think the, the listeners easily remember them. Um, we played them in the first round, I think. And I think we, we lost first game and was 7-1 seven, seven, down. And I was just like thinking on court, okay, yeah, it doesn't matter. We most likely will not win anyway. And anyway, it's like just, 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 just kill us now, and we can get over <laughs> with it, and then leave this arena because it's it's apparently not our tournament. But at some point, we we turned things around, and then everything was uh, was back on track. Uh, and then we reached the final, playing Kuantan. I think we uh, we were eleven. 11, 16 down in the third. And at that time, I was thinking like, oh, at least it would not be as tight uh, and this defeat will not hurt as much because nothing can like hurt as much as what we experienced the year before. And then all of a sudden, uh, we got a little bit more structured in our, in, our, in our game plan and they got a little bit more nervous. And uh, yeah, we just managed to catch up. And then when we went past them, it was like they had that feeling of, wow, we can't do it like they're just past us now they're gonna come and snatch the the title right out of our hands and yeah obviously winning that last it was an epic match match uh, point it was like going back and forth smashing smashing defensive we were down and and everything and then at the end Carsten he smashed and and cool he 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 couldn't he couldn't get it on the court and it was out and then that feeling of winning the old England after what we've been through the last year it was like an insane joy rush running through the body it is like undescribable at that time you could feel like you were immortal all of a sudden do you still I'm I'm sure you watched that match point uh, fifty times like you have with the uh, the uh, that I have yes. semifinal <laughs> yeah yeah do, can you still get like goosebumps and uh, and kind of uh, recreate that feeling from uh, the semifinal when you watch it uh yeah definitely definitely um at it that time we, I think away. at that time we 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 won we won Denmark and French Open in two thousand and ten back to back titles which I'm actually saying is um everybody can win one tournament and a lot of people can win more tournaments but to do it back to back because the expectations you have in week two you're a little bit tired but the expectations you have is also i just won i only oh, another win will uh, will satisfy me so to be able mentally to put that victory behind you you just had not have any joy in and you don't have time to say oh i won last week i need to focus on the match tomorrow it's something that is extremely difficult and it's actually underrated that it doesn't take more focus that that people are winning like wang chilin and uh, li yang they they won three tournaments in a row uh, it, it, it's an insane. It's an insane thing. I don't think they have won a Super Seven Hundred before, and then they just like take three titles in a row. Like that is a that is a massive, massive result. I don't even think they know how massive a result it is. I think maybe Li Wei has done it once only. Suing Tai maybe has done it one or uh, Ratchanok. I don't know, but it hasn't happened that many times in the history. Not even back-to-back titles has happened that many times in history. So um, yeah, for sure. So, so at that time, it was all England was the biggest title we have had. So obviously, it, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's something everybody wants to win, and uh, yeah, we it was just like t- almost too emotional. Mm. All right, before I move on to, to talk about your brand new coaching career, Matthias, I also want to very quickly talk about your team event achievements, and it would be logical to talk about the Thomas Cup win in uh, Kunshan in 2016 but uh, I don't want to talk about that I only want to talk about the 2008 European men's oh, team yes. championships yeah. yes 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 because yes, I yes. Uh, when I told my listeners that you were going to be on the podcast I uploaded a photo of you and me playing men's doubles together can, can you just explain the story behind that because I, I promised the listeners they would uh, know what what was going on, on on that photo what 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 was going on in 2008 at the european men's team championships why were we on court together yeah because we were the best 
we've yes, quite possibly exactly. the, the best the best men's double ever played in a Thomas Cup event. I don't think that anybody has had the results we have had. We won like so easy the match we played. We were all over the court. You started out by saying, uh, my service is not good. I said, it's okay, we'll see. And then you scored eight points in a row on your service. And I said, your service is pretty good. I was like, yeah, we are. <laughs> They're just like, it was perfect combination. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, I think no, we are probably the, the only first men's doubles from Denmark to ever be undefeated, right? And then uh, first men's doubles. Most likely. I, th- I think, I think, I think so. I think so. Yeah. No, but that's, that's the, I've always enjoyed these team events, even the European team events where we always have arrived there as massive massive favorites um almost unbeatable yeah. because we could have might might quite possibly have sent two or three teams or maybe even at some years yeah. four teams that would uh, that would have won it i always felt it's fun it's also um a little bit more uh less stressful to play that tournament because you know that you have uh world-class team teammates to back you up if you're winning so actually coming there be able to not be nervous at all when you enter the court be able to have fun with your teammates maybe like stay up a bit later than you would do and all the pressure and everything because you know that your team teammates are there to back you up if if you if you goof up on court and and not like playing your best so i always felt like that and i think you can agree with me that the team spirit in all the danish teams with with all the players that have been there it's it's been some of the greatest experiences uh we have always been able to like have the best uh um the best social uh what do you say this best social network or yeah on on court but also off court um and i also always enjoyed this uh this part so yeah 2008 was was uh, no exception it was good that we had uh we had the chance of of mixing it up a little bit and and uh, for you to get uh a win in 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 the first men's double in the Thomas Cup. I didn't play singles. I don't know why. Uh, maybe and I know that's, why. That's a but I don't understand. That's a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> massive mistake. Massive yeah. mistake. I've many times said that I should play, but uh, some weird reason the coaches say no, you will not play because you'll just get injured or something. <laughs> well, yeah, for me at least, it's extremely important to have that men's doubles win because I, I haven't won a doubles in the Danish league for two years now. So it, it's good for me to oh, be able no. to say I can just show the results from the Thomas Cup that I'm undefeated in doubles, so I'm still a good doubles player. What, what about tomorrow? Will you win tomorrow then? Are you not playing the men's double? Uh, well, I, yeah, I'm playing Danish league match tomorrow, but in the last round we played, uh, I got the chance to play mixed doubles and I lost 21-9, 21-9. So after that, I'm having lost for oh. the... Yeah, past one and a half seasons in all my doubles, I'm not gonna play any more doubles. But you have the 2008. That, that exactly. nobody can come and, uh, and take away from you. Right, Matthias, we will move on to the uh, the final subject before <laughs> th- three uh, quick uh, quick questions from uh, the listeners. And I want to talk about your uh, your new job or role in Indian badminton because you have just a few days ago you started uh, coaching the Indian men's doubles, right, uh, leading up to the Tokyo Games. Yeah, I um, I got assigned by. Um... Not by BAI, but something called Tops. That's the basically the Olympic Committee of uh, yeah. of of India. Um, they fund uh, players that are qualified or are trying to qualify um, for the Olympics. And there, I got the responsibility of trying and and take uh, Shirak and Sadik and uh, Ashwini uh, and and Siki to to qualify for the Olympics, and also Sadik and Ashwini. Uh, uh, can't forget the mixed doubles. So. So that is, I've been assigned to to specially take care of of those four players. Um, but as you know, when you can't just as a coach go on court with with four players and just like practice, you need all the sparring players, you need all the others. And and as everybody knows that that India is definitely like one of the big badminton nations now. I have a lot of great singles players and have had that. We have Sindhu, we have Saina, Srikant, Saipanit. Um, so so. It's a natural thing that you like try and come in and and like try and help uh, all the other players there because you really need them for the sparring sessions. But my job is to to try and qualify those three doubles for the Olympics. Mm, all right, and so you're also only hired until the uh, the Olympics. Uh, you you don't have a a contract that runs longer than that. 
as of now, I'm only hired until the end of April, until the qualifying uh, is is over, mm. and then it can be renewed until the Olympics if one of the three, all of the three doubles are qualified. Uh, but so far, it's mm. only to April end. Yeah, all right. It's it sounds like a really interesting uh, opportunity, both for you, but also for the players and. I think it, it's quite common to see in Europe that a lot of uh, Danes go abroad and, and try to coach, but uh, it's the first time I can remember that we've seen a Danish coach uh, apart from Morten Frost in uh, in Malaysia. But you see a Danish guy actually go to to Asia to uh, to coach. What 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 kind of uh, like what what is that you see you can offer to the Indian team that they probably maybe couldn't get from a uh, a local uh, coach there start out by saying that now since my girlfriend is indian i stay more time in in india uh while i've been in, in mumbai and uh, in the lockdown i uh i practice with shirak we have uh, tapsi and i the the owners of, of pune seven aces so of course my my strings with india is is quite strong i know the players really well worked a lot with shirak so far um at the sessions there was helping him uh while he needed some sparring players um so in that way it's it was it's pretty it's it's my second home so in that way it was pretty natural for me to to look in that direction um what do i have to offer um i think that that some of the things that i've been best at is uh the tactical things aspect of it uh the game reading and understanding the game and and put up a good tactics about uh, against my opponents um it's it's something that the, you can call it the European uh, style of playing is um, is a bit different. So until now, there's been a lot of Indonesian and uh, Indonesian coaches and uh, Malay coaches in India practicing the more Indonesian style um, mm. of playing. Me personally, I don't think that uh, anyone outside of Indonesia or Malaysia would ever be able to to challenge them in how they play. I don't see an Indian or a Dane or a German be quicker at the net than uh, Kevin. So to try and challenge him and battle against him or uh, be more skillful and reading the, be more um, the same with uh, with both Hassan and Hendra, for instance. So to try and challenge them and, and beat them on, on their uh, turf by, by just like going power, power. I don't see that's that how that is, is possible. Uh, that was not how I beat them when I did it. So I want to share my experience with the players and especially Sadwig and Shirak that that actually have maybe the best attack in the world when when they're in their favorite position with Shirak at the net and Sadwig at the back. They have some of the tools I see uh, to to actually be able to challenge them if they can just change their game a little bit. So for me personally, this was a, it's a great opportunity to see if I can implement some of the things that I have worked really hard with and also been maybe good at in my career and, and transfer that to, to them. Um, so so that, is, that is the reason why I'm doing it. Can someone else do that also? Uh, yes, I, I feel they can, um, but I don't know if in those areas, uh, if there would be, again, if I can be <laughs> this humble, not mm. to say that this, this maybe only a few players around the world have had that ability to read the game as, as I did when I was best. So, um, so you that way, the I right think to I'm say that, Matthias. You've earned the right oh, to thank say you. that. Yes. <laughs> thank you. No, yeah. So I think that my profile actually fits well into trying and do something a little bit different than what they have been used to. Um, so, and then the question is, can I get it through to them, to my, to my four players? Uh, that I can't promise, but I will give it my best and, uh, yeah, try and try and, and, and bring back some of the things that I have learned and learned from and, and mm. try and, and, and teach them that and, and, and implement that in, in the sessions also. And I think in terms of getting it through to uh, to your players, I, I think you also you already mentioned it a little bit, but I think one of the big advantages for you is that you are already so uh, familiar with Indian culture and how Indian players think as well and behave and what, what will work with them. I think that's going to be very difficult if you come straight from Denmark and you have no knowledge about India to implement changes, especially in such a short time frame that you actually do have now. 
So I think that's going to be, or at least that, that's my opinion, that that's going to be a big uh, advantage uh, for you guys. And I, I guess you, you see it that way too, right? Yeah, hopefully. As I said, I can only try and <laughs> as, uh, my best to, to do it. And so can the players. That's generally how it is in sport, right? You try your hardest to achieve something that, that also goes for coaches. So, yeah, I know the Indian culture very well. I know Hyderabad very well. Um, I know Gopichan, uh, the head coach of India, very well. Uh, we've had some really good conversations about these things. And, and I'm trying to adjust uh, to the fact that I also have to answer to him and uh, get ideas from him. But now he has created so many great results and he's such an experienced coach. So for me to learn from him is also a natural part of it. And um, it's also easier because a lot of the players, they know me very well. They have seen me probably play a few a few matches. So so they know what I'm what I stand for. Then then implementing these things and changing them in such a short time span, uh, uh, time span there is now will be the, the challenge. But um, I feel like my, my players are really hungry to learn and try and, and do it my way. So I think yeah. that is a good start. But of course, we can't change a lot of things with, uh, with only six months until the Olympics. Yeah, definitely. That is, is going to be hard. But then let's talk a, a, a little bit longer time frame. Do, do you actually have an ambition to, to become like a full-time coach at a, yeah, with a longer perspective? Or have you not even thought that far? You also have other projects going on, uh, your, your own podcast about investment uh, as well. Um, but do you have the ambition to, to be a full-time coach like this? Or is it not really uh, something you, yeah, you, you know uh, yet what, what you're going to do? Um, as of now, no. I'm, I'm really happy and enjoying doing a few different things. As you mentioned, I have that podcast. I'm not a stock expert uh, yet, mm. but I know I've been interesting to do because I've, I've always felt it's a good combination with sports. You have a lot of time to kill in a hotel and you always have your laptop and you are looking at the markets. It's interesting. There's a lot of psychology in it involved. Uh, and uh, that has been of my interest for the last 10 years. I've always also invested a lot in stocks and in properties throughout my career and, and uh, made a little bit of money that way. So having that project on the side, learning from that is, is nice because you, when now I'm 40, uh, I don't have to get a full-time work because I managed to earn a little bit of money. I, I can actually just do projects even for free that just catch my attention. Uh, I'm trying to compare it when... Like you and I, we started playing badminton when we were small, uh, young kids, and we continued. We didn't do it for the fame or fortune. We did it because we just loved playing, right? So I don't see how it's any different, even though I'm 40 years old, when I'm not like depending on getting a salary. So I'm picking up projects that I find interesting. I have that small project. I have uh, a real estate company with a friend. We invest in properties in Denmark. Uh, and then I have some personal properties in, in, in Dubai and in Sweden. That, that is that. So it, that's these small things and I, I need to take care of. And back to your question. <laughs> uh, in the long run, no, I don't think so. I've always said that um, I spent so much time, 20 years professional career and also as a child in a badminton hall that I've had enough of, uh, of, of being in a badminton hall, at least uh, on a daily basis. And uh, you will, as a coach, spend a lot of hours in, in the badminton hall. So no, I don't think so. That said, um, some, some kind of combination of doing um, some of the more structured stuff uh, and then sometimes be on court with the players could be interesting but I have to say here that the chance of working with these four players is uh, as I see it like a special opportunity for me so and it's maximum for now six months and then we never know what happens but um, right now I'm not really in a position to take up a job and stay one place because my girlfriend is also really active with with her career and then hopefully uh, we will also have some children at some point so no I, I don't think so in the long run but I mean you never know time will tell um but um as of now i'll just like focus on these things and then i'll see what comes my way final part matthias uh, we already a few minutes uh, past uh, what i promised you uh, this was gonna <laughs> I, take, I talk so... a lot sorry <laughs> yeah no 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 that's only good that's only good it's been amazing so far having you on and now i just have uh, three quick questions from uh, from my listeners to you before i uh, i let you go and uh, so I hope you're up for, for answering those uh, three. 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, all right. The first one is from uh, Kento Astel. Uh, he is asking about how is your Gangnam style these days? He's obviously <laughs> asking because uh, you and Carsten did it a few times when you uh, won a, a few big events. So, like, you are actually quite famous for these uh, dancing uh, celebrations. But were they always planned? And yeah, how is your Gangnam style these days? The Gangnam style has not. I haven't done the Gangnam style since we won uh, the last. I can't remember what tournament we won the last and and did it. So I have like not uh, not done it since because it's. I'm not really good at it. So it was just like more entertaining for the people, but not really something that I wanna. Uh, brag with at a at a dance club or something. So it's it's been uh, it's been on, on on the court. I've done that. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. The second question is from uh, Navish Naya, and uh, a few other guys actually uh, also asked this question. Uh, and I don't want you to take this in a bad way, but they are just asking why did you always take so long to serve? <laughs> it it was a part of the strategy. Uh, if you could just like. You know, people are, are used to doing things in rhythm. So if you like, you always receive in the same rhythm and you're used to like having the same seconds between the rally. So, you know, so if you could just once in a while hold the surf a second or two or three or maybe even more in, in my case longer, then uh, your opponents, they might lose their focus in, in the return. So it was just a part of the mental game and the tactical aspect of doing it. Yeah, that makes sense, and maybe we will see a few of the Indians uh, do that in the, the next few months. Yeah, you never know. You never know what's uh, what's uh, what's in the what's in the in the coming now. Yeah. All right. And the the final one uh, is uh, not from one in particular. Also, quite a few asked uh, this question. Uh, they they want to f- know what you feel like has been the biggest development in men's doubles over the course of your career. So uh, what is the one thing that changed the most since you started competing internationally and uh, until up until now when you uh, finished your career? Um, the style of playing, I would say, the last four or five years has uh, changed dramatically. Before that, from, uh, from after, I'd say after Hendra and, uh, and Kido, from 2008 and up till uh, maybe 2017, 18, it was more like uh, where also Leung Day was dominating Fu and Kai and Karsten and I, uh, Ku and Tan, uh, to mention a few. It was more like defense turning into offense. Right now, you don't see that much defense. You do it now again a little bit with the Japanese combination, Utah and, and Endo, who, who was like the epic All-England final where they beat Kevin and Marcus. But besides that, it's been dominated by the Indonesian style of playing, like not that much defense, just like insane high pace and uh, incredible shots. So that uh, uh, transition I see is, is the biggest thing. And, and maybe in the future, we'll see it flip back to a little bit more uh, defensive Korean, Karsten, Matthias, Fukai uh, style of playing, who knows. But right now I've seen that change happen. Uh, and it was approximately in yeah, 2017 or so, I, I saw that transition. All right. Thanks so much, Matthias. It's been uh, an unbelievable pleasure to have you on, even though it's uh, been long, but that's only good. I've uh, loved all your uh, all your answers. It's been interesting. And uh, I just want to wish you the best of luck with uh, your project in uh, in India. And if people want to listen to your podcast, they should know that it's in Danish only, right? But uh, I have a few <laughs> Danish listeners as well. So where can they find your podcast and what is it called? They on one where you find your podcast. It's called uh, Aksje Universal. It's a Danish word. So uh, some of the, some of it is in English. We normally have international guests also talking about uh, different, uh, primarily gaming and tech uh, companies. So, uh, so most of them, like this episode from Saturday, it was a Dutch guy. So uh, the center part of it was an interview about a stock called Kampi. Um, mm. So uh, yeah, you, you can find that, listen to it. If you're into the stock market, some of the episodes will be in English. And uh, yeah, likewise, uh, Hoko, it's been a pleasure. And uh, thank you for having me on, on your show. And uh, I feel it's honestly, I know that you're not getting paid for any of this, uh, like, like we are not in the podcast, but I think that, somebody who's doing this and like giving something back to the fans for what they have given us throughout the years is it's nice and i know that you're that kind of person and you like doing it also 
as as we talked about. But uh, it's really good that you're doing these things uh, because this this is what the sport needs. That they can also sit in and and listen to to badminton players on the way in the car, the fans, and so on. So I think it's uh, it's a brilliant uh, project and. Uh, yeah, of course I, I participate and and if you find me good enough, then I'll I'll come back and and do another episode with you in the future if you want. I'm gonna hold you up on that one. Uh, you've uh, guided one of the Indian pairs to an Olympic gold medal. Then I I want you back on the podcast. <laughs> is that is that a deal? Yeah, that's a deal. Or if Juventus claim the championship again, then we can also do it if you want. Yeah. All right. I I don't want to do that, but uh, I'll I'll make that a deal as well. <laughs> Thank you, Matthias. Yeah, you're welcome, Hoko. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Matthias just as much as I did. No doubt Matthias is a born winner, which of course shouldn't come as a surprise with the stellar career he had. But I still found it fascinating how honestly he shared how some level of selfishness and greed is needed to reach the very top like he did. That's often two traits that will be looked upon in a sort of negative way, but to me he explained it really well and in a way that leaves me looking at it with a different perspective than what I did before. It also became crystal clear to me just how great a game plan of Matthias was on board. From deliberately changing his service rhythm, which is not easy by any means, to disrupt his opponent's flow in the returns, to how they took advantage of Jung Jae Sung's nervousness in that Olympic semi-final, and also him expressing his desire to help the Indian doubles finding their own unique way to beat the top doubles in the world. It is pretty clear there is lots of thoughts and badminton intelligence behind Matthias's amazing successes. I really do think this episode gives you a great look into the mindset of a world-class performer and there's so much to learn from that, even for me as well. So guys, I would love to hear what you think of the episode and what your biggest takeaways are as well. So please reach out to me on social media or just send me an email on ayearmontour at gmail.com. That's it for today, everyone. Can't wait to get back with more guest episodes in the near future. And please, please, please give the podcast a rating and just a quick review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It helps the podcast grow a great deal. Thank you for listening to A Year on Tour with Vittinghus. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, share and leave a comment in iTunes or your preferred podcast app.